Okay, here we are. Uh, let me begin with the reading of the scripture from Mark chapter 1, starting at 22 till the end. And they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and was teaching. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. And immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. And he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice, came out of him. And they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this, a new teaching? With authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. At once his, frame, his fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding regions of Galilee. And immediately he left the synagogue and, and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law was ill with a fever, and immediately they told him about her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening at sundown, they brought him all who were sick or oppressed by demons, and the whole city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases, diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. And rising early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place. And there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. And they found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, Let us go on to the next town, that I may preach there also. For that is why I came out. And he went through all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priests and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places, and people were coming to him from every quarter. So Jesus, the hidden king, the lord of creation, enters Capernaum, a relatively large village a good distance from the holy city of Jerusalem. Now, Mark's gospel as we'll see as we work through, and we've already seen, has many references or allusions to Isaiah. Here is just one that I think Isaiah is playing on. You will know, says Isaiah 49, that I am the Lord, and those who wait for me shall not be put to shame. Can the prey be taken from the mighty, or the captives of a tyrant be rescued? For thus says the Lord, even the captives of the mighty shall be taken, and the prey of the tyrant be rescued. For I will contend with those who contend with you, and I will save your children. I will make your oppressors eat their own flesh, and they shall be drunk with their own blood as with wine. 
Then all flesh shall know that I am the Lord your Savior and your Redeemer, the Mighty One of Jacob. So that's pretty intense. It's a pretty intense way to start any sermon. But what it's highlighting to us is the role of God himself in fighting and in overtaking the oppressors of his people. In Jesus, we see the coming not of a new Moses, not of a prophet, not of a priest or a human Messiah, but of the coming of the king of all creation. As we look through this narrative and focus specifically on the people who Jesus meets and heals, I want to read a quote to you from Emil Brunner's book uh, on the person of the mediator, that is the person of Jesus Christ. He says, or writes, in Christ the mediator, God wills to assert himself as king. His will is to be done. His kingdom is to come. He is to be hallowed. Christ is the head, or Christ is the hand with which the Lord of creation again lays his hand on the creation which has been separated from him by sin and thus rendered desolate. With this hand, Jesus, the hidden king, will reestablish the order which has been lost. So I pray, as you listen to this, that you would sense Jesus stepping into real-time history and freeing his people from the oppression of the different enemies of humanity. I think in this sense of the hidden kingship of Jesus, of Aragorn from the Lord of the Rings, you will know that Aragorn at the beginning of the Lord of the Rings, the Fellowship of the Ring, is encountered as a wanderer, as a kind of uncertain dude called Strider. But by the end, that whole time, he is actually the, he lives in the lineage of the king. He is the true and rightful king of the land. Yet he is hidden from most of the people who he is king to. Here, the same thing is true. Jesus manifests his authority in his mighty deeds, which signify a power beyond any human being. Yet, without giving a verbal or clear revelation of who he is, Notice that the demons recognize who he is, but humans, or but to humanity, he in many respects remains veiled. So, I want to cover four things today. First, I want to look at the teaching authority and power of Jesus, as seen at the opening part of this text. Then, I want to look at three ways in which Jesus encounters the suffering of humanity through one, a demon possession in a synagogue, two, Simon. Simon's mother-in-law with a fever, and third, the cleansing of a leper. I wonder when you in your life feel helpless and what situations you feel just hopeless in, situations that you don't have a solution for. Where in your life are you anticipating or hoping that something will change? I have two examples really quickly. One is my knee. It's been hurting for a while. And the second is my encounter with the anger, the sadness, the disappointment, the evil uh, that fuels the divisions of humanity, uh, of, of, of individuals in the world that social media seems to fuel. In these two situations, I have an option 
One of my options is that I can seek out a solution from a professional. In relation to my knee, I could seek out a good physiotherapist. I could choose to trust what they tell me to do, do my exercises, uh, strengthen up my knee, and just follow very carefully what they've told me to do and hope that the experience uh, that they've been given and the title that they've been allotted uh, will actually help me and be an adequate solution to my knee pain. There's also the chance it might not work. Second, in light of the deep divisions between people that we see today in our culture, I could consult a variety of authorities. The list is almost endless. I could seek a psychologist. I could seek an economic or an economist. I could seek a politician. I could seek a conflict mediator. I could seek a priest or a pastor, maybe. I could seek a professor. Or, you know, I could just Google search it. But in light of these two issues, there is a lot of complexity in the human being. And so, although we may consult different authorities on earth to deal with some of the problems that we may encounter, these professionals, these experts, are inadequate for two reasons. The first, the issues of humanity, even of knee pain, are far too complex, they're far too deep, they're far too ingrained, they're far too hidden for the human intellect alone to reverse. Well, at the same time, the forces behind the problem actually have motivation. There are some motives behind the problems of our world that are fueled by a stronger enemy than human beings can overthrow. So in the following example, there are three enemies in particular that the conquering hidden King Jesus encounters. One, the demonic. Two, illnesses. And three, isolation. Again, remember that this Jesus comes as the mediator and king and comes to confront the enemies of his image bearers, of his people. God loves his people and in Jesus has come to restore them to a proper relationship with himself. He has come to reconcile them. And that means, in part, overcoming that which separates us from God. So, first, Let's talk about the hidden king teaching with power and authority in the synagogue. Let me read from Mark again. And when they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath they entered the synagogue, and he, Jesus, was teaching. And when they were and they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority, and not as the scribes. And if you're reading this and you're a scribe, just ouch. In fact, if you're reading this and you are any teacher of law or any teacher of, of authority given by the world, this might sting a bit. The scribes were the experts with the responsibility of copying and applying the Old Testament law or Israel's testament of God's actions. They are the scholar, scholars, the learned teachers of religion. They possess authority. Uh, to promote a narrative of what the Jewish faith meant and what it was all about. But in comparison to Jesus, they had no authority. Jesus comes in to every situation, and his authority trumps any other voice. You can think of the most intelligent, most provocative, most uh, careful thinker you know. The authority of Jesus far surpasses theirs, because his authority is the authority of the Creator God made manifest in the world, not of a built-up intellect. 
So that is the first thing I want us to notice. The authority of Jesus is significant and substantial and noticed. And when compared against that of the learned, it is infinitely different. Second is, what is the response of his teaching in the synagogue? Now, the synagogue is a place where the people of Israel gathered uh, that wasn't the temple in Jerusalem, but an outposts almost of the temple. Jesus was first, as we remember in the Gospel of Mark, first encounters Satan following his baptism in the wilderness. And this is now the first time that he is brought into confrontation with a demon. And, and unfathomably, demons are dwelling in the very place where the people of God are to meet. So Jesus comes in, and this demon immediately confronts Jesus and says, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And they were all, oh, come out of him. And the unclean spirit convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice came out of him. And they were all amazed so that they questioned among themselves, saying, what is this? A new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirit and they obey him. Wow. How long had the demon dwelt within the hearts of men, within the walls of the ingathering of God's community? But he arrived and immediately is con- the demon confronts him, or rather, more accurately, the teaching of Jesus confronted the demon. And so the presence of Jesus exposed the demon's presence, and only the demons in at least this opening part of the narrative recognize immediately who Jesus is, the Holy One of God. And so Jesus simplifies the complexity of this situation by casting out the demon immediately. His authority has no room for debate, nuance, consideration, or some minute details. Jesus casts out the evil demon that is in his people. And so here in this act, the hidden king Jesus remains hidden from the people. They see his power, they see his authority, but they're not sure where it comes from. The demon, however, without hesitation, recognizes, and must obey. So the second, or, well, actually now the third thing I want to mention, so we've seen the teaching authority of Jesus manifest in the confrontation of the demon, and now we see the authority and power of the hidden king manifest in the healing of Simon's mother-in-law's fever. And again, here's another immediately moving from the synagogue into Simon's house, or Simon's mother-in-law's house, who is sick. When was the last time that you were sick? When was the last time, in fact, that you had a fever? You know what a fever is like. You know that to get over that, a doctor might tell you rest a lot, you know, drink lots of water, have a bath, uh, drink lots of fluids. But a fever, you know, we, we just have to wait, wait till it disappears, wait till it goes away. But Jesus walks into this house, is showing this woman, and simply does this takes her by the hand, lifts her up, and immediately the fever leaves her, and she begins to serve him. Jesus, the hidden king, reveals himself to his disciples and Simon's mother-in-law by merely offering her his hand and raising her up. 
Here, the hand of the hidden king touches and helps up a woman in a feverish condition. And by so doing, he is foreshadowing the ultimate rising of humanity in the resurrection, in which he touches a broken humanity and brings them into a new life of resurrection and restoration. The hand of Jesus renders human illness powerless and establishes his power over the decaying weakness of death in the human body. Wow. Like, this is Jesus manifesting his power to rebuke even a fever, to show the human body, even the human body is subject to him. And so I want to notice something, one thing before we move on. Simon's mother-in-law recognizes the authority in Jesus, and maybe even the lordship and his kingship. For as soon as she is healed, it says, she began to serve them. She began to serve him and his disciples. She participates with Jesus in serving him and those who are with him. The only proper response to a king is service. And here we see that in the mother-in-law. Finally, the healing of the leper. Let me read to you starting at verse 40 of chapter 1. And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. Now, since the opening of this book, we have now reached the ninth occurrence of the word immediately. And this immediately uh, issues in a healing word and touch of Jesus, which has a very valuable lesson and revelation to teach us. In order to get the full weight of it, let me look quickly with you at Leviticus 13. Leviticus 13 talks about how a priest is to respond to a person who has leprosy or who may potentially have leprosy. This is what was to happen. First, that person would go and see a priest. Second, the priest would observe their condition, concluding, one, they definitely had leprosy and they should be unclean and removed from the community. Second, by various standards of appearance, they were to uh, determine if the person had a potential to be infected and therefore they would need to be isolated or that it wasn't that serious, and therefore they could rejoin the community because they were clean. After seven days of a person who might have potentially had an infection, they would have to come back to the priest after being in isolation, which we know a lot about, for seven days, and the priest would re-examine them. And if there was improvement, they would be declared clean and rejoin community. If they were not, they might try another seven days isolation, see if they were improving, and if no change had happened or the condition had gotten worse, then they would be told to go and live in isolation or to be, to be alone until the symptoms subsided. So either they would be determined unclean or clean by the observation of a priest. And this is one section that's worth reading. The leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes and let their hair on their head hang loose. And he or they shall cover their upper lip 
and cry out, unclean, unclean, he shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside of the camp. But notice with your heart that that is not how Jesus responds. Now, we know that Jesus sees the heart of humanity, sees right through all our pretense. But what Jesus, we're told from Mark, is first moved by is not observational standards or, or, or criteria, but he is moved with pity. The king of all the world, of all creation, is moved with pity for a man who approaches him with leprosy. Though the priests were given long lists of observational conditions, Jesus himself looks on the man with compassion and pity upon the suffering of one human being. Jesus looks at you and me and all of those we love with a heart of compassion and a heart of pity and a heart hoping and longing for our restoration back to relationship with him for who we were made. And here's what Jesus does. He first touches, and his touch is a reminder of the same touch that created us, that formed us in our mother's womb. That touch is creative and restorative. And second, his words, which were and are, I will be clean, demonstrates the power to cleanse completely and welcomes fully all those who seem far off. We know from Levitical law that uncleanness let a person or pushed a person outside and left them alone. The pronouncement of cleanliness is the foreshadowing of God's cleansing of the human heart to welcome us back in to the divine union we were made for, where God is properly and truly once more our Father. I want us to really get that. I want to get that. That this work of Jesus, this continual confrontation of that which oppresses humanity, is all to bring us back into a proper relationship with God himself. But yet, through all of this, Jesus remains veiled. He remains hidden. Notice how the demons always know who he is, but they're not given a choice to say anything else. They're silenced, and that's it. But the human beings are given full choice. They can choose to accept or to reject, to believe or to not believe. And so in what we've covered today or right now, we've seen Jesus in his full power and authority confronts the demon possession of an individual and of a whole institution. Second, he encounters through power and authority the illness of human life manifest in a fever and drives it out immediately. And the woman rightly responds with service to the king. And third, Jesus with total power and authority, with a word and a touch, restores completely a man of leprosy and welcomes him back into a new participation, foreshadowing our own welcoming into the community of the Trinity and of the church. This is only the beginning of the gospel of Mark, only the beginning of Jesus' work as the hidden king. And here he goes directly after the enemies of illness, of the demonic, 
and of isolation by healing the flesh, rebuking the devil and demons, and confronting death itself. Let me quote once more from Emil Brunner. He says, A conqueror does not conquer the country by ignoring the stronghold by the strongest fortresses. Knowing that he is not a real conqueror, if the enemy's fortresses lie in his rear, Jesus would not let anything that was the enemy of his image stand in his rear, even if it was a fever, even if it was leprosy, and especially if it was some demon possession of his people. So would Jesus confront the evil, the illness, the isolation that might be in us? And would it not be a knowledge of what he could do, but a true revelation of his power and his confronting of the things that have isolated us and separated us from his goodness and his love? I'll end on this. Everything that Jesus does in this text I just read to you is immediate and costs him no effort. But his act of dying on the cross cost him everything. He gave up his whole life and suffered an unbearable death for the, to, to remove and conquer the sin that led to death for all of humanity. So we're not there yet, but, but, it, but it just shows you how much God is willing in Jesus to confront every stronghold of the enemy to make us whole persons again. He is committed to that more than any of us have ever been committed to anything. So would you be encouraged and would you be convicted by the uh, desire and passion of Jesus to set humanity free from that which has enslaved them? May God bless you.